Here we go. Ready? Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. I know times are crazy and hard and I'm so happy to be able to give this give back to you and um, talk with some really special guests. And today is a super special one. Um, she, you know her, well, you don't know her, but she is a producer, an executive producer, a consulting producer on shows like Prodigal Son, Station 19, Empire, Nashville, Revenge, Justified. I mean, so many shows, and we are going to welcome her right now and hear all about her life and how she started and how she got so much success. Please help me welcome the beautiful Wendy Calhoun. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. My so pleasure. happy to have you. And no one knows this, but I have recently met you at uh, one of my clients, Crystal Hunt's birthday party, and we just connected because you're yeah. so real and, and you're just, just a wonderful energy. And so I'm so happy to have connected with you. And um, uh, I can't wait to hear all about you about your life, how you started, were you an actress first? Like, tell us everything you could possibly tell us and I will shoot questions in into you, okay? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's funny that you say we connected. Every single time I've been on set and we've had um, for, uh, professional coaches on set working with our actors, like, it's an instant bond. Like, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if it's the teaching vibe that connects me or what, but I love what you do. So it doesn't surprise me that we yeah. connected. Boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I I did start off by performing. Um, mostly doing public speaking. Uh, and then went to a performing arts high school where I studied drama and theater and uh, got really into playwriting when I was a sophomore in high school and I had my first play produced and that was kind of the thing. I was hooked on the writing side. But I was still performing. I would perform in improvs. I did improv competitions. Um, and even to this day, I still will take improv when I have a, a chance to in between if I'm on a hiatus. You know, I'll sign up for classes, and I've done Groundlings, I've done UCB. Um, oh, so I, incredible! Yeah, yes, the, I, I recommend that to writers all the time. You know, you have to get out of your head <laughs> and yeah. get your listening skills up to speed, and just you know, go out there and do something that's scary. But like, you have to be creative on your feet with improv. I think it's like great training, especially when you're in a writer's room. You know. Because that's what we're doing. We're improv and we're playing all those roles before they're ever on a page. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, definitely that was part of my um, development. Um, but so eventually I ended up at NYU and studied film uh -huh. and television. I was in theater the first year. I was at Playwrights Horizons. Mm -hmm. So there I was, you know, writing dramaturgy, directing, and right. then um, switched into film my sophomore year. So you did film. Were you an actress too or you just were mostly uh, a writer? Um, well, when I was in the film department uh, at NYU, your undergrad, you're really taught to be a director, honestly. They hand you a camera and you go out and direct. Um, I, I did have a manager at the time um, where I would do commercials, um, that sort of thing. So I do have a SAG card. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I, um, you know, I, that was always kind of like, it was a fun, I loved it. It was a fun thing, but it, it never felt like the full me. I don't know how to explain it. And I feel like Performing is one of those things, if you're an actor, you know it, and you are able to bring your full self to it, and I feel like I, I just wasn't, that wasn't the true me. The true me was much more behind the camera, yeah. um, but it's interesting, because yeah. for years I did the unscripted work, you know, for seven years. Oh, and what shows? I don't know. What shows? Okay, well, the last one that I did, this was a long time ago, but the last one I did was um, Hell's Kitchen, um, but before oh. that I did shows for you know, Discovery, I did like Monster Houses and um, VH1. Let me ask you about that because there's yeah. some people listening that probably do want to go into the uh, reality show too. So but we're going to get into the other shows you did and started writing on, but how did you fall into doing reality and what is it like as a writer on a reality show? Are you writing scripted material? Are you just giving ideas? Is that where the improv comes in? How does that work? Yeah, that's what I was, that's exactly what it is. I, well, see, there was a couple of questions in there. So how did I get into it? It was a fluke. I, when I finished NYU, I, I didn't know anyone in Hollywood. I cold called anyone that was working in development. Because at the time I thought, well, 
at least in development, I'll get to read a lot of scripts, maybe make some good connections mm-hmm. and um, see how it goes. So only one guy took my call and said, if you come out here, I'll meet with you. And he met with me when I moved to New York. I mean, when I moved from New York to LA, and then he introduced me to three of his friends. And within a month, I was an agent's assistant. So that oh, like, gosh, I had no <laughs> idea. That's crazy. Yeah, right. It's like cold calling. It actually worked. Um, so for well, five years, yeah. I was assistant. I assisted Tim Burton. I assisted Mark Burnett. I assisted, oh my gosh, I was at Sony Pictures in corporate communications. Um, and eventually I landed, landed from at- From that Bill- one email. From that one email. That, yeah, that, that, that's, that's the whole straight, the, the train starts, so the domino effect. Um, so eventually, like, I ended up at Village Rocho Pictures and I became a development executive. Hmm. But while I was there, I kept like, you know, normal people go to Hawaii for their two weeks of vacation. Yeah. I would put up one of my plays <laughs> and direct it. And like, I, that was like what I would do f- for fun. my fun. Yeah, you know, that's amazing. True art. So my bosses realized that they knew that I was a writer and they started giving me assignments where I was like writing, I was writing stuff on a table. I was doing all kinds of stuff. And then eventually they had a show that they had sold to animal planet and they needed a head writer and they asked me to do it. And I just did it. And then that led to seven years of me in unscripted. That's crazy. But wait, so let me ask you. So unscripted, what are you writing? Well, how does it, how do you do it? Do they really feel like sort of scripted? <laughs> yes. I mean, but it's different, it's different though. Okay, yeah. so it's really, the writing of it is, happens in the outline stage and you do outlines in unscripted, believe it or not, where you're basically coming up with it, the, um, the architecture of the story, you know, kind of like, you know, the setting you're going to put them in, you know, it's all about casting too, right? So you kind of know what the cast is and you kind of know their personalities and you're thinking about what, what kind of situations you could put them in that you know will create drama. For example, if you watch a show like Hell's Kitchen, mm-hmm. there's a formula to that show. Um, I felt like we built it in season two while I was there and I don't think it's ever changed. You know there's a first challenge. You know there's going to be rewards for the winners and punishments for the losers. You know, there's going to be blowback of that when they get together. So like, there's all these little steps. And so that stuff you can kind of plan out. What you can't, what you don't write is the quote unquote script, right? Because you don't know. Right. Although I will say, you know, we, we constantly, um, we meaning the producers on those kinds of shows, especially a big one like Hell's Kitchen. Like we, we would be in the mash control room. We had 72 cameras on that show. Wow. Outfitted everywhere. Six steady And the right there would be whiteboards all around us. And as stuff is happening, we the producers would write notes up so that it basically basically Gordon could be any place at any time because we were his eyes and ears wow. looking for the story. And wow. we would feed that information to Gordon. Hey, you know what? Rachel had a fight with so-and-so back in the dorms. Check in on her, you know, like that kind of stuff. That is great. That's hard though. That's hard that he yeah. could grab onto that too. That's a talent in itself. It was so, I loved it. Oh, <laughs> I, love it. I love it. But here's the part that's really, really fun. When you talk about performers. Yeah. So the, the, when I started directing on that side, you really are, you're like, the, you're performing, but you're just not seen. I'm literally standing, a lot of times, if I'm in a confessional, it'll be kind of like this. Like, you know, they'll see me this way and they'll be in a sequestered room where we're having a conversation that's recorded. Okay. But if I'm on the set and I'm moving around set, I'm right next to the camera and I'm asking questions, right? And I, uh, my facial expressions is playing with theirs. I'm leading them down certain roads for the story I know I want to tell. You are acting. Yeah. It's improv. Well, yeah, that's amazing. That's so yeah. amazing. I find it fascinating because I don't know that reality world at all, but I know a lot goes into it more than people, yeah. you know, think. And it's pretty technical and it's pretty, I mean, I imagine the editing of these are just insane. That's the, that's the next question. That's where the real writing takes place is yeah. you kind of know, you, like I said, the beginning, you, you build the tempo, you, you know, kind of the story things you need that you're gonna at least get some drama. Then you try to really amp it up when you're in production and then you go back in the editing room and you're just very carefully piece by piece, thousands of hours of footage. It takes months and you put that thing together where you take something that actually is so unreal, if you really think about it and you make it super real. 
You know, it's like, it's yeah, super, I can't explain it. it's cool. fun. Yeah, no, that seems like I really loved it though. But let's get on to the juicy, to the real acting shows because most people <laughs> are listening that, I mean, not to say, well, reality isn't real acting shows to me because I'm an acting coach and I actually, you know, only really do want to talk about the real shows because the writing and the characters and people auditioning and how you felt, feel when people audition and when they walk into the room and that artistry that people study for years you know, in their craft to get on these shows. So that's really what, what I want to make my focus, but I don't <laughs> knock any of it. My, my um, old friend of mine from my old acting class in my twenties, she married this guy who was the, um, I think he was the uh, production assistant on Bachelor. He's the executive mm -hmm. producer now. <laughs> way up. He's the yeah. executive. And you know what? They're having a ball. So, you know, yeah, of course. whatever, but I want to talk about the acting stuff. So, Okay. You started, so after this, it parlayed you. How did you get your first writing job? And here's my other question. Did you watch shows to understand the storylines? Did you just create your own, um, uh, own scripts that you submitted? What was the process mm -hmm. for you? Because the people listening would like to know for their own. Yeah. Sure. And it's an interesting thing because I think it changes, um, you know, as the industry evolves, the process is always evolving. So mm -hmm. I'll say this, but it's my experience and no, there won't, there won't be any two experiences that are the same. But um, uh, basically, I did reality or unscripted for seven years. Mm -hmm. Two years into that process, it it dawned on me pretty hard where I was just thinking, okay, you know, you love to write th this fiction, you, you know, the plays, the dramas. Mm -hmm. um, and at that point, up until that point, I keep having, I kept having reps come to my place and be like, you should write television. And I was always kind of like, I don't even watch television. And at the time I really didn't watch that much television. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and it was so interesting because um, a show came out, it was called Six Feet Under, and it was oh, on HBO. Freddie Rodriguez, I coach Freddie on so many things. Okay. On that show. So yeah. I saw Six Feet Under, and I was like, oh, if that's television, okay, yeah, I can write that. I want to write that. So, <laughs> so that I wrote great the show. First, yeah, the first spec I wrote was Six Feet Under, because it was the first show I saw where I was like, oh, okay, if that's what it can be, then I want to be a part of that. So um, that was the first spec at that time, you know, at that time, you could still write a spec and um, really get a lot of doors open. I think now, I think a spec is more important if you want to show you can do procedural. So be that the cop, you know, the lawyer uh, and the hospital show, which are always, by the way, I tell new writers this all the time, pick one of those because you will always find work if you can do one of those. Really? Let me, let me just interject a question. Because yeah. back in the day, so you did a spec script for a show that's on the air. Now yeah. these days, are I hear from other people, other writer friends, and I know that it's not about a show that's on, it's your own voice. Do you agree on yes. that? I think that is true today. I mean, let's just put it this way. The original is more important now than the spec ever. Mm -hmm. But I still think that there's some places where they're going to want to, I, I just feel like as a writer, you should have a toolbox. You know what I mean? I agree with you. you. A I lot of original, yeah. right? Yeah. That mm -hmm. reflects you. Mm -hmm. um, and also, if you want to write about dinosaurs and you don't, you're not a dinosaur, it's fine too. <laughs> like, you know, like, not every one of my scripts is about, you know, a black woman who likes story yellow. So yeah. it's okay to not have to have all of your art be identity art, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yes. But, um, but as a young writer starting, what would yeah. you say to write one, like one type of a procedural that's on and then your own thing as well? Yeah. And if you want to, st the, the thing that's valuable about that spec process, even though it maybe it's not necessarily the sales tool that it used to be, is that you, you learn, um, you learned about the, the math of television. It's a very, it's a very particular type of math. You see how many pages are in an act just mm -hmm. by trying to replicate what that writer is doing each week mm -hmm. on that show. Mm -hmm. I think there's still value in writing a spec, even if it's only for you as a tool mm -hmm. to learn because you start to have a new um, understanding of how much economy these scripts actually have. They're very economical when you break them down. Um, it, and it's very specific. Each genre is so different from each other. 
Mm -hmm. So for the writer, I would say, again, I, I highly recommend this. It's like, it's like stocking the kitchen cabinet. You, the bread, the eggs, and the milk of television. Mm -hmm. Cops, lawyers, doctors. Pick one of those three and do some work in there. So it doesn't have to, I'm not saying go home and write, you know, a spec of the good, you know, I don't know, the good doctor, whatever. I'm saying maybe figure out a character that fits into one of those worlds mm. and write, maybe write an original there. Mm. It's going to get you work. <laughs> and then that beyond is, that's that, incredible advice. That is incredible advice because there's every show has one of those as the job. Yeah, I wasted so many years, Sherry. I was writing, uh, first of all, one of my problems is I can write a lot of things. But that means that like I was I was pretty good at a lot of things, but not great at any one thing. Does that make sense? So like I had to like really become an expert at something and I chose law. I chose law enforcement. I'm writing a cop show, right? You know, Prodigal Son is a cop show. It's a quasi cop show. So it's still paying so me off. You, how did you? Yeah, how did you do that? You, so you woke up one day and you were like, okay, I'm gonna just hone in on one thing I'm really good at. Why did you pick that? What was the, <laughs> why? This is fun. Okay, yeah, so exactly, but wait, let me just say, because when you're breaking down scripts as characters and actors, I always tell my, my students, there's always one life-changing moment that's happened in that character's life that has led them to where they are today. Same thing for writers, same thing for all jobs. There's some life-changing thing that has happened that geared you towards that. What is it? Yeah. <laughs> was Tammy Klein. Okay. I was making a show called Ballroom Boot Camp. <laughs> okay. You'll see. It came out the same year as Dancing with the Stars. The oh. difference was we followed every day, we called them Joes and Janes, and we taught them how to ballroom dance, and then we took them to ballroom dance competitions and they competed. Oh. And it was oh. super fun. I so one of my one of the persons that I was producing and directing was this woman named Tammy Klein. She was a real life CSI. She's, she worked with the sheriff's department. Um, by the way, now she's an actress. <laughs> but no at the way. Time, yes, which is excellent. <laughs> but at the time, um, she, and we still can touch, at the time she was, um, you know, doing that. So I'm following her around with a camera. I'm getting to know her life. I'm getting to meet some of her friends that are detectives and I really just I'm fascinated by them by everything that they do and so when it dawned on me that um that these characters were really interesting to me and complex um I started writing in that arena and then just really never looked back yeah. so it's Tammy Klein <laughs> I'm gonna oh, give her all the credit yeah she she's a real life character that's yeah. amazing so let me ask you, what kind of advice would you give young writers right now to get started? I know we're in, you know, seclusion right now, but there is things you can, you could be writing every day, but what would you tell them to do right now? I mean, there's so much access and I always tell my actors to be courteously aggressive and get out there. Writers too. So you took that email years back and you were like, you know, gutsy and you didn't want anything to stop you, the belief in yourself. So what would you, yeah, go ahead. I'm, I could talk forever. So what would you say? I don't know. I mean, um. I think, wow, I mean, I, I, it's interesting. I, I did have a conversation about this recently. I think one of the things that we could be doing very, very uh, clearly is the journaling process as writers. And that journal doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, um, a pen and paper. It could be a video journal. It could be, you know, a vlog, whatever you want to do, but just start jotting down some of the emotions that we're all processing right now, because there will, this is a, this is a very specific, specific moment in time. I think we'll all look back and know life before 2020 and life after 2020. Yeah. So it's really important to like try to tap into the right now mm -hmm. of the emotions of what we're going through right now mm -hmm. and, and, and document that because it's going to be, it's going to inform our stories moving forward. And also it's going to inform the nostalgia we may have when we want to look back. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I'm telling young writers. Um, another thing for, for writers, um, I think uh, now is the, the perfect time to, um, if you've got some stuff in the drawer, clean it up and you know you can put together these kinds of chats with with performers who maybe are at home right now and have a reading and hear your stuff brought to life you know that's those are hugely informative development process and i don't think enough writers really try to take advantage of put your work on its feet and if you don't have the work yet 
then get some work to put on its feet. And it doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't have to be more than, honestly, the, I haven't told people, too many people this, but I'll tell your guys, because you Great, hey, yay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So people come to me all the time, well, should I write a pilot or a screenplay or what should that original thing be? The things that have gotten doors open for me have been short films. So that's less than 30 pages. Short stories do really well. Those have done very well for me. I think that was less than, less than 10 pages. Um, because what happens is these, uh, one act plays, one act plays. Development executives get tons of pilots. Pilots are the hardest thing you're ever gonna have to write. Don't even bother. They get tons of pilots. They get tons of screenplays. They don't get enough of the short stuff. And that's actually, if they see your script and it's the shorter one on the pile, they're more likely to read it yeah. first. Yeah. <laughs> well, this, this, now it's like this, right? They're yeah. more, they can just get through it. Okay. So uh, thinking in short form. So now when they do that though, so say they're great, they've got a short story, a short form, something, or even a pilot script. What do they do? Do they just start emailing it to look up every single agent and manager? What's the process? I, you know, my feeling is, well, first of all, right now, you know, we, it's, it will be a year next week that there's been a dispute between the talent agencies and the writers. So um, that already means this is a really weird time to be reaching out to management. I mean, I always feel like that's a bit of a weird step. I didn't get my first agent until I had that job. Okay. So what else could they do besides that step? Because I'm just, I'm just, you know, asking because I know the acting world. I don't really know the writing world as much on the process because I'm all about, you know, pushing your career forward and yeah. putting it into your life. I think right now it's a matter of taking advantage of the tools we have in front of us. So, you know, right, we literally can right now, I could write a monologue. I could, if I didn't want to perform myself, I could give it to someone else. If it's fantastic and amazing, I can, you know, post that all over the place, every social media channel you can think of. If it starts to get hits and generate interest, the reps will call you. You don't need to call them. And that's okay, the- I love that. Yeah, so YouTube and on your Instagram and every single venue, but make sure it's freaking good. But I guess I think, honestly, if it is really good, it will get that notice. Um, Absolutely. That's the whole thing. The cream yeah. rises to the top. And that, why would you want to run, run around and try to find people to give 10% of your money away to anyway? Let them come to you and earn that money. <laughs> that's how I feel about it. I love it. So let me ask you something about being on Prodigal Son. That's still going, yes? Well, yeah, we're hoping for a season two. We don't know officially yet. Okay, so if it gets picked up, or in last season, so you're writing on the show, were you um, part of the auditioning when actors came into audition? Were you in the room? Were you part of watching actors' tapes? I, I was. Um, I, I definitely was. Um, the episode that I wrote, which was the fourth episode, and I also produced, pro, uh, produced the fifth episode, and then I went back for the 13th episode, and I was in casting. Um, so let yeah. me... So let me um, uh, ask you a couple questions about sure. when actors come in, mm-hmm. what is that little element that you like or you feel is the closing deal for them? Is it the way they walk in and leave? Is it the way they laugh if they bobble up on their lines? Is it their self-confidence, their ability to tell the story? What is it for you when you are, when actors come in? Because it's an all day event and it's probably, right. so, it could be very draining too. Yeah. The thing for me, is when an actor can make, can take a piece of direction and make an incredible adjustment right then and there. Even if that actor is not all 100% there yet for me, for that character, if I see that they can make that adjustment and they've gotten themselves 10%, 15%, 20%, sometimes they nail it with the adjustment, I'm like, yeah, we, we want that person. Because so much of being on set is adjustments. It's just one adjustment after another, whether it's a change in the blocking or, a ch- you know, things that we don't have any control over sometimes. So the actor that is going to be flustered by that or that can't change from what they've already rehearsed and can't, you know, be flexible beyond that, I'm less interested in. Even if they might be like perfect for the role, I'm less interested in. I, I need to know you can get through the fire. Yeah, and they have to be so malleable in all my classes, I'm just going to interject. The main thing in my class is taking the adjustment, whether they agree with my adjustment or not. 
just freaking take it because if you can be malleable and be moldable, then they're going to, they're going to get, you're going to get hired. That's exactly my philosophy. I'm so glad that you said that. And, yeah. but for you in the first place to work with an actor, they have to be confident, obviously in their choices. Right. So do, do you ever have actors that come in that you feel start off confident and then they wither away because nerves kick in and do you help guide them or what happens then? Um, there's been some times when I've seen actors come in and maybe they'll do, maybe sometimes this is what happens. They'll do the reading and um, they'll burst into tears or something like they'll, like they'll tap into some emotion that takes them um, in a weird way out of the role because they've fallen so deeply maybe into it. I don't know. Or so pushing so hard to get a performance. Um, and then, and then they, they really have a tough time recovering. You know, it's like they they went so far out that first round that they fall apart. Yeah. And usually the best thing I find is to ha just have them say, you know what, take a breath, go out, get some water, you know, go to the bathroom, just take a breath, get recentered, and then come back in. Let's do it again. So you, so you don't mind if they just say, okay, you know, I need a second. I'm going to go out for a second, take somebody else in and come back. You're cool yeah. with that? No, if somebody's having a really... I'm having a really hard time now. Auditions are just so weird, though, aren't they? They are. They're so weird. So it's just—it's a nerve-wracking thing for actors. It's nerve-wracking. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, I've seen auditions from people who are no joke today, A-list stars in gigantic movies. And when I watched their audition for shows, I thought they weren't very good. But then I, I would—they would get the part. And a lot of times those people, I'll tell you why they get the part. Your, your performer should know this. Mm. Um, I, I listen to the cast members of our show. If a cast member of our show, someone I have respect for, I'm working with every day, comes to me and says, hey, so-and-so read for that role, I promise you they are, that they have it. They're amazing. Mm. Um, I listen to that. And, mm. uh, and I'll often take that into deep consideration. Um, so there was a performer, I'm not going to say his name, but he, he did not do a very good job in his audition. Another performer on our show came to me and said that exactly that. We gave him the part. He was amazing. Right now he's in billion dollar movies. So what do I know? See, the thing is because it's not the best actor that gets the job. You know what I mean? He happened to have that connection to get that job because there's so many actors that I work with that are such brilliant, brilliant actors. And then you go into an audition, you fall apart because of that people pleasing thing because you want to do good you just want everyone to like you and i tell actors if you can just go and tell the story make your choices and then leave your gold and if you can just not care what anyone thinks about you that's yeah. good which is I, thing to do. you know if i had another piece of advice something that stands out for me is um i love it when actors talk about making a choice but they're very clear on playing what that character wants we spend so much time in writing to get to the essence of what the character wants in the scene. And when an actor gets on that, gets on that track and they start to really embody that, not just in saying the lines, delivering the lines, but also their body, everything about them, they're yes. living, feeding it, yes. the want. It and elevates the drive yeah. and it keeps yeah. the drive and it keeps the pacing and it doesn't make itself indulgent about themselves. Oh my gosh, I'll tell you, I'm, and I've made a list of all of my favorite actors for you that I've worked with. But one, uh, I gotta, I gotta get a shout out to one right now. Um, okay. Damien Lewis. I worked on a show called Life. It was mm -hmm. ran for two seasons on NBC. Damien was a star. Um, I felt like it was Christmas Day when I was working with Damien. Like I didn't know what present was gonna pop out of the box, but I knew it was gonna be brilliant, and I knew it was gonna take my writing, and he was gonna bring to it something I possibly didn't even imagine and take That's it to the next level. Oh my God, when a performer is doing that, yeah. it's magical. But so much of it was about him. He, he would commit to the want. He would yeah. commit to it in this way that just never looked back. It was so cool. That's, that's such a great piece of advice because it is how you're going to go about getting what you want. And so those tactics that you employ, and you know, put into the scene really can make it so magical. But it's about layering too. And this guy is obviously a really layered actor because you have to take the words that you wrote 
And then it has to seem that the person saying them wrote them. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's part of that whole, what I guess I'm trying to articulate about committing to the want. Like, yeah. it doesn't feel like the want is outside of him. It's, it feels like so organic to him. So organic that like, I, who wrote the want, I'm watching going, wait a minute. I didn't know that was the want, but I love it. You know, yeah. it's his own interpretation of, of the work. Tell yeah. us other actors who you love. Oh, more actors I love? Oh my I God. <laughs> You know, okay, I got to, I got to work with Taraji and Terrence for like seven or eight episodes oh, of the first Empire. season of Empire. I mean, yeah. that was amazing. Terrence Howard. Um, he seems like a, an amazing person. There's like a Brando quality, I feel like, to him. Like, and I could, I would watch him. I would see the moment when Terrence was gone and Lucius was there. Yeah. Like, literally the click over moment i'm like oh i'm watching lucius now i love, I love how you just said the click over moment because when yeah. actors drop in that's that click over that's uh, i'm stealing that from you <laughs> I I, I, when you see it you know it and you yeah. know i i'm watching in, in the video village all you know for hours these scenes and when i see it it's like oh i lean in and that's the other thing i do want to say about the I was one last thing I was gonna say about the unscripted. Yes. What unscripted taught me is for seven years, I got really used to seeing people be real mm -hmm. on camera. Mm -hmm. And I have a nose for that. And so um, I think sometimes the people uh, who have never, who haven't really had the opportunity maybe to just be themselves a lot um, are always sort of lost in the characters like, sometimes they don't, they don't, they forget, you know, when we're real, we are different. I don't know how to put it. There's like a gloss. And a lot of times on the shows I'm working on, I think one of the special things I do is when I see too much of that gloss, I start to strip it away so we can get it to be more real. And then that, that, that what do you do? What do you do? To, to strip it away? Yes, please. Tell us your story. <laughs> Punch them in the face and say, stop it. People pay me for this. Okay, now, um, <laughs> I, let's see, what do I do? Um, connect to them and just talk about the story and just stay open up, relax. Um, <laughs> I remember, I remember with, I remember with Taraji, she would, she would get to the end of the take and she would kind of just give me that look and I would be like, <laughs> She'd be like, I know I can blow the roof off this place. I'm like, I know you can't, Taraji, but please bring it down. Like, cause like nobody's really ever like that. Even if you're cooking, you're never that big. Um, well, she the, camera, the camera picks up all the little pieces and it makes it so much yeah, better. Yeah, I love to tell people this. It's, it's true. I don't think he'll be upset with me, but Lee Daniels only has, I've only actually heard him give really two pieces of direction. Cut it in half and throw it away. <laughs> Cut it, cut it in half, meaning, you know, a lot of times actors will like milk and yes, add yes. time. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> cut it in half, the timing, and throw it away is like a lot of times they get so invested in the words. No, actually, the words should just be thrown away. Just, you know. I agree 100%. The words <laughs> thrown away, but the internal life full. And so when actors really, really work the material, that's what happens. Your inner life is so full, you just, you're just living the life and you're just throwing away those words. But it's, but they're not, it's tricky when you say to actors to throw it away and then they get lost. What do you mean? <laughs> Does it have meaning? What are you talking about? You know what I mean? So yeah. throw it away with a lot of layers underneath. You agree? <laughs> there was, we had a lot of performers uh, on Empire uh, season one who had never done any type of performance before. And uh, there was a young woman that was discovered. She played Portia, who was uh, Cookie's assistant. And uh, she was amazing, so funny, really great rapper, but she didn't understand. So I remember watching some dailies that just killed me because Lee <laughs> told her to cut it in half. And so the next take, she only said half the line. Oh, <laughs> and he just, <laughs> and, she, and he, starts, he starts yelling at her and she goes, you said to cut it in half. Oh, that's brilliant. That's so adorable. I love it. It was funny. Anyway, I love it. <laughs> oh, that's so amazing. That's so amazing. All right. Well, listen, what, um, I think I asked you all the things. What, what would you give advice on staying on a positive track? 
because there's so much rejection in this business that what, what, what can you offer? What can you offer to writers listening and all my actors that, and all the people that are listening, actors are now writers. Everyone is using every medium to yeah. express and it's really important too. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm, I, I know for me, there's things that I do. Um, I practice meditation, that's one, just to quiet and like accept that this is now and mm-hmm. tell myself this is all there is. <laughs> right now, you know, enjoy this. Yes. And if I'm writing in this moment, then this is, I'm a writer, you know. Um, I'm getting ready to do a live stream, you know. Well, that's just really cool for me. I enjoy that. Um, I think, uh, I think there's this... There's a quote that keeps rumbling around my head, and so that's the advice I'll give. It's it's from Winston Churchill. Um, I got to go to that museum in London. I really loved it this summer. But the Churchill quote is something along the lines of um, failure. Uh, no, success is only temporary. Failure is not fatal, and the most important thing is courage. And I feel like right now. I'm paraphrasing Churchill, not very well. But the most most important thing right now is courage. It's not about whether you're having success or failure. And I don't even know that you can measure during the time of a pandemic of anything as being a success or a failure. I do think it's all about courage. Mm -hmm. So having the courage to, you know, write a great scene today, having the courage to you know, perform something and put it out into the universe to share with the world. Like that, that to me is the advice I would give is that courage, you know, and if you think about it from a lot of, a lot of the big moments in my career have come out of some strange, deep courage or maybe insanity. I don't know, but like cold call people have only one dude say he'll meet with you and come move across like to, to to become the head writer of a show after just being a development executive and just be like okay sure you know like um I, there's been a lot of times I mean and I'll give you another for a perfect example actually for me I had to quit Nashville before I had an offer on Empire okay and so for about, back up you were a writer on Nashville I was a writer on Nashville and a producer on Nashville and it was a great gig and I loved it And we were in the second season, and I used to go into the Nashville room, and I would make jokes. Uh, I would pretend to be the black version of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that made me laugh. I just got a visual. (laughs) So basically, I was doing Empire for two years before Empire ever existed. (laughs) And, And so somebody sent me the pilot script of Empire, and I read it, and they had only cast... They cast Terrence, they cast Taraji, and that was it at that point. And um, I think they had just gotten Timbaland for the music. And I read it, and I was like, oh, I'm, I have to do this. I have to do the show. And my, I called my agent from, from Nashville on set. I'm like, I'm doing this show. And he's like, it's not even a show. It's, the, it's a pilot script. It hasn't even, it, it just got picked up. It hasn't even been shot. What are you talking about? You have a great job. I'm like, okay. <laughs> doing the show so anyway further and further down the track I start meeting with Fox I start I'm like I'm convinced I gotta do this show I mean there was another reason too I mean I I, at this point I had worked on at that point I think by six series and I'd never done a black show Mm -hmm. I was like yeah can I write some black people it might be fun for me yeah (laughs) (laughs) I just up can I ask you this question so you 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 were on the show and I kind of wouldn't mind talking about a day in the life on a writing show and how on all those hours you have to put in. But so sure. you got this, and then so talk about the writing of those hours, and then so you got the script, and then what's that process? What are the steps of the people that you have to meet to further it along? Nobody oh, to get a job? Yeah, Ooh, that's a lot. Okay, so let me see. I try to remember on that one because that one was so scary. Um, well, it was an interesting year, too, because that was the same year that I think How to Get Away with Murder was also a pilot that year. Um, I'm going to say something else that had a Black lead. It was an interesting year in broadcast because finally there were some Black leads. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, oh, <laughs> we exist. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, maybe I will have a chance to write something beyond white men with guns. I <laughs> so, like... Um, so the see the first meeting the it's the generals that start so you have the general meeting with studio you have the general meeting with network okay. and um, 
those are kind of the first rounds. And to be honest, like for this year's staffing season, I mean, this year doesn't, I don't even know what we're in this year, but right, right. if this was a normal year, yeah, the normal <laughs> those year. meetings have already happened. They would have happened in, they, they started as early as December. And I'm only talking about broadcast for, for a second. Now I'll do streaming, it's totally different. But like for broadcast, they, they start in like November, December, January, February. People are having general meetings. And what's happening is if, the executives, the studio executives and the network executives like your writing, they call you in, you have a general meeting, they get to know you, where you're from, you, you know, you- For your essence, your truth, who you are. Exactly, exactly. Probably similar to a, if, you, if you're an actor having a general meeting. Mm -hmm. And then they, um, they bake their lists. And what happens is the, is the pilots get picked up and right after those pilots get picked up um, and it's, not too long after they get cast, mm -hmm. the process actually already starts where those lists are being sent to the showrunners. And very often, or the creators of the show, very often <laughs> what's happening is those showrunners have assistants or other people who work with them that are now starting to read all of that material. The studio sends them, all, everybody on their list, hey, here's, you know, here are all the PDFs for everybody I think would be great for your show. Okay. And those, and then they decide, uh, who they would like to set meetings with. And then you go through the meeting process. Based on the, your writing, that they like the material, that your voice matches the essence show. of their show. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And also, also, it's important to them that the network and the studio have already signed off on you. Yeah. Because another thing that happens too is after a showrunner has worked with you as a writer, very often, um, you get to skip a lot of those first steps, or it's a little bit backwards. For example, Ram Yost had already worked with me on a show called Reigns. When he had cast Timothy Oliphant in Justified, he called me up and he said, you know, we're making this pilot. If it goes, um, I really would like for you to come be on the show. But we had already worked together before. But right. I still had to go through the process of meeting the FX execs. I still had to, you know, have a, have a meeting. Um, but he was already a champion and that was helpful. Um, cause I don't know that I would have been on their radar had it not been for him. I got you. Yeah. Cause I wasn't on the regular FX rotation. Right, like. right. Um, but anyways, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the process. And so finally you have the showrunner meeting and pretty much that's the last meeting you'll have. Um, after that meeting, you know, they start to make offers. They make offers, but just quickly just say the level. So it starts as like a staff writer, not where you are now, but when all writers, when they begin. Yeah, all writers start as staff writers. They're staff writers. Can I ask a quick question? Huh? Go ahead. Before that, do you think it's um, worthy of their time to become like a, a, a writer's room assistant? Do people really move up from these production assistant jobs? Or do you think it's better to try to just get staffed on a show? What What, what is your take on that? Um well i i didn't do that um i wasn't ever a writer's assistant i mean i was a hollywood assistant but always to executives or directors or producers or developing people right. so um i i my take on it is that and i'm sure you've heard this already there's a lot of talk about it especially this past year those writer's assistant's jobs don't pay very much money they certainly don't pay the cost of living in los angeles um, and the problem is, yes, it, for some people, it's a track to getting into uh, that staff writing job, but it's really hard still. Yeah. So you are basically, you're basically are living at a minimum wage or below a minimum wage, really, once you add up the hours. And this can go on for years. Yeah. And some people just, they just can't do it, you know, and I actually feel like it's one of the reasons that a lot of women and people of color don't get into those ground level jobs in Hollywood, because yeah. a lot of times we're caretakers, we're, you know, I mean, we're providers, mm -hmm. we, we can't, we can't afford, mm -hmm. you know, and we don't have the luxury of someone who's paying for our car, buying our, paying for our phone, putting a roof over our head, putting food on the table. A lot of times, you know, people don't, have that and they need the job to give them that they need health insurance you know so um anyways because i think a lot of people get stuck in thinking that that's where they have to start in order to have any potential but i don't necessarily agree with that no it, it isn't because um you could we have a staff writer that's on prodigal this past year who um uh, she was a musician um and 
so she but she wrote a really a pilot that got a lot of attention and um and so that pilot got a, a got optioned i believe and um and so that because of that she started to have all those general meetings people really liked her writing her work and then she got staff writing job so like me i didn't i never was a writer's assistant but a lot of people do i mean i say this but i also want to say yes there are a lot of people who are able to get the staff writing assistant and then get a staff job but i think a lot of people don't realize that it can take years yeah. it's not going to happen in one year some people think well i'm going to be a writer's assistant for like a year or two years i can tough it out that much i've known some that have gone five years seven years yeah. and I'm telling you they get better <laughs> I don't blame them for getting better okay let's cut from that so okay so, so writer's assistant so then you get a staff writer job what the title and then what's the next one co-producer or what is it no 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 no, no. staff writer story editor story editor executive story editor oh. uh co-producer mm -hmm. producer supervising producer uh, co-executive producer, consulting producer, executive oh, wow. producer. And by the way, some of those levels you may have to do several times. Wow. It's so fascinating. It's just so yeah. fascinating. And it's different amounts of money and different amounts of power on, you know, in the room, um, I guess. Yes. Well, it's interesting. It's funny because once you get into the room, you're in it. It's a, it's a team sport. Yeah. So it's not like uh, just because you may have an upper level, mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, rank. Right. Um, that doesn't mean that your ideas are any better or worse than anyone else. So everybody kind of plays together, and there's just a, together. it's a kind of a level playing field. If you have a good room, it is. Some yeah. rooms there's some you know there's some power struggles and ego bull crap, but when it's a good creative room, everybody's contributing and everybody's involved. Um, the difference is the pay, you know, I think, I don't know if people know this, but like the staff writing job, um, you don't get paid for your scripts. So you get a weekly salary, mm. but you don't get on top of that a script fee. You do get residuals if you're lucky enough to get residuals, but you don't get a script fee. Um, so a lot of times, you know, staff writers, wow. You know what I mean? You do yes. a lot of work. It's you have to believe in it so much. You have to be so passionate. And I always talk about passion and purpose. And, yeah. you know, so for artists, you're, you know, your, your, your passion is the artistry, but what is your higher purpose? What's your message? And I think probably as writers too, because you have a message to give to the world through your writing. So you love the writing, but the purpose is bigger. And mm -hmm. I always like actors to stay in that mindset or any artist to stay in that mindset because it takes you out of yourself and into giving. And I think it's, at yeah. the end of the day, it's all about the give. I know I'm on the right show when I really, when I walk away every day and I'm like, I can't believe they pay me to do this. Yes! Like, I love it. Amazing. Yeah. That's working on a piece and I like, I can't believe anyone's actually paid me to do this. Like, like that's when I know I'm in the right place. I'm in the zone. Yeah, you're in the zone. So <laughs> let's close out. Thank you so much for coming and let's just reiterate three things. Get on YouTube. Keep writing. What are you going to say? Three, three things. If anyone Wait, just I, tunes into the end. I'm a writer. I actually wrote this down. Wait a second. Ah, you're pretty organized. <laughs> I, I'm like, you know, the artist, so I just rip. But I understand. You wrote it. Oh, I wanted to be, I wanted I, I to love be that. thoughtful. I'm and so I don't know now why my, uh, my iPad is not booting up. Hang on a second. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yay. And then actually, I kept coming up with like four. <laughs> give us four give us four we so um my three positive pieces of advice so the first one is to give five star customer service this is a service industry so that means the pleasant attitude the being on time it's being generous to the cast and crew it's super respectful it's it's you know i I say this to the writers that are having their first time on set, and I'll say this to the performers because I think it applies to everybody, really. Just imagine yourself as the best concierge ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you are there. To that. So that's why. Um, this one's really practical. For performers, um, as a producer who's worked with a lot of performers, please check your, check, check your script the night before 
against your call sheet and make sure you're working off the right draft. And, um, and then also make sure you read the whole script, not just your parts, not just your scenes. You read the whole script so you know A to B so that when there's something you don't understand, the minute you get on that set and you're in rehearsal, you can ask questions. You know, we're there for you to provide, our service is to provide, provide you with answers because we've spent months on this script yeah. that you probably just got. And it's already gone through so many layers. And we understand why it is the way it is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's one thing that could be helpful. And then um, physicality, you know, it's, it, this is not, this is, a, it's mind and it's body and it's spirit. It's all three. So don't forget the body. I feel like sometimes there's some performers who don't, are not attached to what's happening to them physically. And it's so much part of the story. It's part of the story we can't put on the page. And it fills the white of the page, I say. And that's something we really look to our performers. Bring bring us, bring us all three. Three-dimensional life of that character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, totally. Oh my gosh, I'm listing, I'm looking at my list of um, people I love that I work with. (laughs) I have to read it. I just want to give them a shout out. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe they your students. I don't know. So Walton Goggins, Walton Goggins, amazing. Margot Martindale, amazing. Hayden Pianetier, amazing. Hayden, come back, Hayden. <laughs> I love you. Aww. Madeline Stowe, amazing. Jaina Lee Ortiz, amazing. Tom Payne is so good. Um, <laughs> Michael Sheen, it's like, Oh, magical! Yeah, Bellamy, it, Bellamy Young is also great, and my new fave. I have a fave right now. It's yeah. Halston Sage. Halston Sage, sorry, Halston plays Ainsley, um, and uh, on Prodigal Son, and please watch the season finale because she is amazing. Oh, <laughs> I love the shout-outs. People love yeah. to be acknowledged. <laughs> And now it's my time to acknowledge you. Thank you uh-huh. so much for spending yeah. almost an hour with us, me talking, and um, you're so damn adorable. And <laughs> I, I'm so happy I met you at Crystal's party. And continued continued success. And um, you. you know, uh, thank you, thank you so much. We appreciate you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Stay courteously aggressive. Stay strong. Stay at home. Stay healthy. We're going to get through this. <laughs>